You're listening to The Togetherings, hosted by the Alaska Humanities Forum. The Togetherings are recorded conversations with Alaskans from all walks of life, sharing their perspectives on big questions that touch us all. Each series shares a common theme that is explored across episodes. Hello and welcome to The Togetherings, hosted by the Alaska Humanities Forum. This is Simonetta. I'm hosting this episode with Meneka Thiru, representing the Anchorage Public Library, our partner for this conversation series on the library as public commons. Meneka is the community engagement uh, librarian for APL. Hi, Meneka. Hi. This is the first conversation of this series about library as public commons, and today we're going to talk about the library as place. Before we start, we want to acknowledge that we are recording these conversations in Anchorage, Alaska on Denaina land. To talk about the library as place, we have two guests connected with us, Candace Blass and Jacob Cole. Um, Candace, would you tell us one to two things that you think are important for the listeners to know about who you are? Let's see. Well, I've lived in Anchorage Uh, for 20 years, moved up here when I was 13 and have grown up here and gone to high school and college here. Um, And all throughout my 20s, just really enjoyed just being part of the community, doing a lot of nonprofit work. And um, in the past couple of years, though, I've transitioned into uh, focusing more on my art and my writing. So that's what I've been doing recently, um, writing a lot of poetry and uh, doing education in the community, teaching writing workshops and creativity workshops with the library as well. Um, I've worked with the library in and out since I was 24. Um, I started out as a VISTA volunteer with the Lusac Library and I ran the teen program there and then a few years later I did this really had this really amazing opportunity to lead a user survey that was focused on um, trying to learn more how we could serve the patrons and figure out uh, specifically who were, which patrons were mental health trust beneficiaries. Um, But I'm sure I'll have time to go more into that as we discuss, you know, the library as a space and a place. I work for Parks and Recreation, so I mow grass all day and cut down trees and it's awesome. I love it. Uh, Yeah, so that's kind of what I have going on in my life right now. Awesome. Thank you, Candice. What about you, Jacob? Could you tell us one or two things? Sure. Um, I'm originally from Tampa, Florida. Uh, I've been a librarian for close to 20 years. Um, I have worked in every part of the library, um, from a university library, uh, doing reference to being a children's librarian, adult services, and technology and circulation. And so for the last two years, I have been the assistant director of the Anchorage Public Library System. This is probably the sixth library system that I've worked for. Um, Thank you so much for the introductions. Um, I guess the first question is uh, pretty wide open. And why is it important to have the library as a place together? Well, the library is one of the only places that doesn't require you to pay to be there. And especially in Alaska, where we have, you know, such 
cold temperatures in the winter and we have some extreme weather, it, it's nice to have a place where anybody can go, uh, any age, any uh, socioeconomic background, and they can have a place where they all belong. No, nobody doesn't belong at the library, you know? Um, and there's something for everyone. There's books, there's magazines, there's computers, and um, it's, it's a unique place that helps foster community and democracy and uh, self-learning. For me, the library was an important place growing up. I grew up in inner city Tampa and it was hot and it was humid. And I was in a family that um, was of a lower socioeconomic um, and we didn't have air conditioning. And so I could go to the library and it was comfortable and safe and I could read and study and learn about computers and do all those different things um, that I, I couldn't do um, because my family just couldn't afford a computer and we couldn't afford, you know, I mean, we couldn't afford air conditioning. So <laughs> um, a computer was would have been a stretch. So uh, it, it provided a lot of opportunity. Yeah, Jacob, I really liked what you said about the library being a place where everyone belongs. Yeah, I have a lot of like personal connection to the library as well, beyond just working for the library. I went to Chugiak High School and uh, my family life, you know, was sort of tumultuous at the time and uh, just a loud, loud household. And I remember when I was like 16, I discovered the Lucek Library and I also got a car so I would I would drive in from Chugiak several times a week to the Lusak Library uh, to this special room, the Ann Stevens room in the Lusak Library, which is this like dark leather chairs and wood paneled walls and these big windows that look over the parking lot and you can watch people coming in and out of the library and discovering that room as a 16 year old um, in for some reason, I was the only one that would be in that room after after school. So I would just be in this old, beautiful space and it was quiet. And that's really where, like as a young person, I started to like contemplate things and have like, the, the quiet and just the alone time to start finding myself. And I would read books and also just like stare out the window and just be calm and enjoy that time alone. Um, so as far as like space beyond the, the magic and power of books and information, uh, many libraries and our libraries in Anchorage are, are beautiful spaces just to, to be still and to contemplate. Um, so personally, in, that's what my relationship with libraries has been. It's just been a place to go and think and be calm um, and to be on my own and it's like a third place, a place that you can go and be safe, but and you don't have, you don't need anyone's permission to be there. You're welcome. You can walk in, find a chair and no one will bother you. You can be anonymous and get whatever you need out of that time and space. Um, yeah, and I know a lot of other people uh, use the library or at some point in their life have found libraries for the same reasons that I have. This is uh, interesting and just kind of like thinking that the library is a quiet space, is a space where you can find peace. Uh, do you think there's value in the keeping uh, the library as a silent place? Or like, do you think that silence should be preserved at the library? I think the good thing about the library is there, at least in a lot of libraries, um, there's enough room for 
there to be multiple types of spaces, you know, there's spaces for kids to be kids and be loud and do their thing and, you know, have uh, become, feel comfortable. And then there are spaces um, where people can be quiet and have that peace and have that, you know, alone time. And then kind of moderately quiet places, people can collaborate and work together. It's really hard though when you have a small library because I've, I've worked in some and uh, you're trying to enforce peace and quiet uh, because um, you know some of the things that people are trying to do require them to, to talk and because um, smaller kids just they don't understand you know <laughs> trying to to stay quiet for other people's sake you know they um they're excited they're excited to be in the library they're excited to see their friends um so uh you know we're very fortunate in anchorage that most of our libraries have enough space that they're like areas for each type of of group of people to you know have their own space um but i do think it is very um important uh for a lot of people to have a quiet space because we live in a noisy world. I mean, it's so loud outside, you know, even when you try to get out into nature and hike out to the middle of nowhere, which we're fortunate enough to do in Alaska, there's still planes and boats and all kinds of things that make all kinds of sounds. I was hiking one time out in the middle of, I felt like nowhere and I heard bagpipes. (laughs) But, that's really random, <laughs> but um, but the library is uh, a place where you can you know you can go and get some quiet and some peace and um, and feel safe. And I know that that's a thing that people have claimed at least lately in the last couple of years that they haven't felt so safe in the library. But I have worked in a library for you know like I said close to twenty years and and I don't remember almost any times um that i felt really unsafe you know um i feel like library staff and the people that you know frequent libraries they they all have a pact to keep each other safe and uh and they do it's really sort of a a beautiful thing that we have a space that values silence as a society that like silent gathering is a, is a value of ours that we have these institutions where, you know, to walk in, you know, I've walked into the, our libraries or the Lusak library and you see, you know, all these adults or teenagers and children sitting side by side, you know, spread out throughout the library at their desks. And we're all like heads bent over our books or listening to our music, but quietly. And we're just in each other's presence, but respecting each other's bubble and, the silence that each person, like the silence is almost its own sort of space that we respect the privacy of each other's silence, um, but that we're still getting something social from that silence as well. And like, we're not, we're choosing to go to a public place to be quiet. You know, we can be quiet at home, but that we are still achieving a sense of connection with others, even though we know we're doing our own quiet exploration. Um, yeah, and there, you know, like Jacob was saying too, there's just, the library is free, so it's open to everyone. And so in some of the work that I did with the, the survey, the public survey of 
the library, um, we were trying to determine who out of the people that were using the library were mental health trust beneficiaries. And um, those are people that are experiencing um, like developmental disabilities or mental health issues or substance abuse issues, um, dementia, alcoholism, and uh, that people that are suffering from mental health issues or struggling with addiction or in recovery that, or have um, learning disabilities that a place that you can go that's quiet and not overstimulating can be really healing. Um, and that, that, that it's a free service that we provide to our community that we all value as taxpayers to create these spaces is kind of a marvelous thing. And um, yeah, that people that have experienced trauma in their lives can go and find quiet. And that's sometimes all you need when you're feeling triggered is, is a, a quiet, safe place where no one's going to question why you're there, where you're accepted. Um, so you both have sort of touched on this already a little bit, but I was wondering if you could give us some examples of um, who you see using the library and how, um, how those folks use the library. Well, my, my first experience working with the library was running the teen program there called Teen Underground at the Lucyke Library. So um, those were teenagers and these weren't any teenagers. These were sort of, um, so there's this room in the Lucyke Library called Teen Underground. And I didn't have a space like that when I was a teenager using the library, um, but I was one of the teens that was in the library that probably would have gravitated towards this space. And the teenagers that I interacted with, we created a, a teen writing society, which is really just a, a group where anyone that was creative was welcome. And I remember the first Wednesday night, there were like five sort of like shy writer types showed up and we had our first writing group. And then within a few months, we were cramming 25 teenagers into this tiny room and we'd all be talk about silence. We'd all be like scribbling away in a circle just together, but writing together. Um, and some of these teenagers were homeschoolers. Some of them were from Polaris or Stellar. Um, but you know, these were like, these were sort of like in some ways, some of these kids were like the outcasts and they were the queer kids. Um, and uh, just the kids that had difficult home lives or, um, didn't even have a home. Some of these kids were homeless. Um, so I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think that the library does uh, welcome and attract sort of the, um, the loner outcast uh, kids. Um, I was one of those. So that's who the, the teenagers were that I was working with. Um, just really loved working with, with them. But um, as an adult, when I was doing the user survey, there is an aspect of people that don't have shelter during the day coming to the library to, to find a comfortable chair, to find access to the internet, um, to be out of, out, to be inside when it's cold outside. So I do see people that appear to be houseless. And from my research and from the survey that I did, um, there's quite a bit of homeless people using the library as a safe place and 
we've been able to, the library has been able to hire a social worker to meet these people where they're at as a result of that survey that we did. Um, so we're able to provide social service or connect people with social services through the library. Um, yeah, and then you have like the regular college students and um, the elderly as well, um, who can often feel isolated from society. You see a lot of elderly at the library um, connecting with community. Uh, so those are some of my observations. What about you, Jacob? Like a lot of the things that you said, um, in, in Anchorage, one of the things that we have that's kind of special is that during the summer, we have people that, you know, are, I, for lack of a better word, tourists that are here just for the summer. And they are doing research for books on Alaska or family genealogy or those sorts of things. Um, we have people that are researchers um, since we're the largest public library in Alaska. Um, we have little kids in the morning with their moms and we have older kids in the afternoon that are getting books for their schoolwork and their homework. We do have a, a good number of, of houseless um, or alternative housing folks um, that come into the library. Um, we also have a lot of times military people that are, you know, just trying to find a computer that they can, you know, use for a little while to send emails or check their Facebook or those sort of things. We have teens, like you said, that there's not a good place for them else to go, you know. Uh, I remember when I was a teen, I needed a quiet place to do my homework because I shared a bedroom with three siblings and uh, there was no place to, you know, really sit down and do a research project or do a poster board or anything like that, you know. So the, the library is um, a, a space, a workspace, you know, and with so many people working remotely now, the library has also become a workspace for them. You know, they're doing their job interviews, you know, because there's fast Wi-Fi and it's quiet. And, um, you know, we, we have people that are getting materials that they need to start a business like a food truck or, you know, something like that. There's such a diverse audience of people that use the library. And um, it's really great to see them, like, you know, you said, um, all in the same place. You know, it's, it's a special thing to see, you know, um, retirees and young kids and, um, you know, just all sections of life are sharing this together. Are there any ways in which you uh, wish that people were engaging with the library or like maybe engaging with the library more? You know, one of the things that I've really, I really wished that the library or at least our library could do better or more is to have conversations with people that are very different from each other to help like foster a sense of community between people that have, you know, very opposing viewpoints or different like life journeys um, so that we can like have better understanding community spirit, I guess is like a better term because it, it, like I said, it is a place that brings all these different people together. And I think that if we just had a conversation and just, you know, talked about things that we had, more in common than we had different, that we would just be a more understanding community and a, maybe a slightly more united community. Um, and I, I don't know how the library could do that. I know some other libraries have done 
different discussion topics and um, different things like that. But um, I, I wish that we could find a way to to bridge that gap because it feels like people kind of stay in their bubbles, you know, and they don't really venture very far outside their social circle. And the library would be a good place for people to pop some of those bubbles and and uh, open themselves up to new experiences and new points of view and those sorts of things. Yeah, that's really beautiful, Jacob. I'm just thinking of like when I've seen people sitting shoulder to shoulder on like a line of chairs and in the library, like all the, like you were saying, different perspectives and lived experiences that those people have. And if you just turn to your neighbor sitting next to you and like broke that sort of like silent barrier that we were talking about earlier, like there's a lot of like coexisting that happens in the library. And if you could get to know the other people in the library, yeah, that would be, it's already happening. It'd be interesting kind of like social experiment or coming together. Um, if we could somehow foster those conversations, it'd be a cool program. I do think that the library as like a physical space is underutilized, our libraries. Like, I don't know if like the general public for some reason knows about what beautiful spaces we have for gathering um, or that sense like the information side of libraries, like that function is perhaps becoming less relevant um, now that we have the internet. It's the space itself in some ways that's even becoming more important as like a physical space to gather as we become more isolated with our access to information and knowledge and books through the internet. Um, I think a way to keep libraries relevant and a part of our society and is to keep engaging people as a gathering space, as a free gathering space and a place where we can have those conversations that Jacob was talking about. One of the things that you brought up a good point uh, that I wanted to talk about, like you said about like how there's so much free information on the internet, you know, and one of the things a lot of people don't really know so much about is the amount of school that um, librarians go through. Like a lot of people don't know, um, most librarians have a master's degree in library science. And one of the things that we spend a lot of time on is you know, what we call information literacy. Like what's a verifiable source of information? What's a, what's a true source? What's something that you can do some research on and see where its authenticity and authorship came from and what are their background? And as we've seen, you know, during COVID-19, you know, there's some bad information out there. People are, are doing things and trying things that just don't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And they, they get a kernel of truth, a kernel of information or truth, and they just say, well, because of this thing that I should be able to use this, in this case recently, horse dewormer, um, like as a medication. And if you, if you look beyond like one, you know, National Institute of Health paper, you would see that there's like a lot of reasons why that's not necessarily, ver you know, verifiable and true. And you do some more research. And so librarians, um, we try really, really hard to do information and media literacy. Um, and I think that teaching people how to use the internet, teaching people how to verify their information is a really important thing that libraries um, provide. You know, if somebody said, I, I wanna do research on this topic, 
you know, we could say, oh, okay, well, this is what you need to look at. This is how you can verify it. This is, you know, the kind of trail you need to go down. And that's, that's why they're still really needed. Because even if you have, even if like, let's just say tomorrow, the internet was free for everybody. Um, you still need to know how to do good research. You still need to know how to verify your information. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I think you're right though. Like the library as a gathering space is underutilized a lot of ways. Um, it's also really unfortunate that a lot of uh, local governments have required libraries to uh, get revenue from their meeting spaces. They've made them charge to use meeting rooms or study spaces or large areas. So instead of having like a big public gathering, um, they have to rent it out. And, and actually in Florida, they have a thing where if you take money from the state, uh, like state grant money, you can't charge to use a meeting room. You can't charge to use a space in the library. Um, but in different states have different rules about the functions of libraries and what they can and cannot do. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. Like the, the library is community space. The library is meeting space is unfortunately um, not used as much as we would like. And so we're always looking for ways to partner with other organizations and different groups to uh, invite them into the library and for us to partner to do something together. Yeah, librarians are awesome. Yeah, I agree, totally agree, Jacob. I appreciate all the schooling and all the work that the librarians do. And like librarians are also a social link. Like I know that just from being in the library myself, like working in the library and just kind of sitting and witnessing the library, that there's a lot of people that come to the library to talk to the librarians because they've formed relationships with those librarians. And, you know, when people are experiencing isolation and they know they can come to the library and meet a friendly face and have someone that's interested in them. I know that we hired a social worker at the library, but a lot of our librarians like provide a lot of social support uh, through listening and showing interest. Uh, to the patrons, um, it's just like an extra part of the, their of the job of a librarian uh, interacting with the public and caring about the public. Uh, that's a huge service. Um, in addition to the expertise of in information science, you both talked a lot about the importance of the library as a gathering place and a place for people to interact with each other or to just have a space to be. Um, but the library did have to close during the pandemic for several months. And so I wonder if you could both talk about how that loss of that space, even though it was temporary, um, impacted the community. Well, I actually continued to teach classes through the library, um, through Zoom. Um, so we went virtual, but uh, we're still gathering. Um, I was leading a poetry open mic all throughout the summer of 2020. And um, we had participants from Anchorage. We had, because it was Zoom, we had even, I reached out to some people that I'd met through Instagram and we had, you know, two people from Detroit that joined us. So we were able to like span across cities as well under the umbrella of a, li a library gathering. 
Um, so, and I was really impressed with the like intimacy and vulnerability that we were able to achieve through Zoom, uh, even more so than in some of the in-person gatherings that I've experienced. Uh, so I can't speak to how, Jacob can probably talk better about how it affected the library because I wasn't working for the library other than through teaching those poetry classes. Um, but the gathering still happened. It was just virtual, although I will, you know, now that I'm thinking more, it was probably people that had access to internet at their home, computers at their home. Uh, so no, it, it we didn't reach the people that come to the library for access to internet or that come to the library to get out of the cold. Those definitely were not the people that were joining me on my poetry open mics. Um, so that's a, an observation that I can make. Well, the library, you know, uh, has always been a, I don't know what to call it, industry. It's not industry. <laughs> a, a, uh, <laughs> a, 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 a group uh, um, that has pushed innovation, you know. Um, the collection and the classification of information way back in the Middle Ages and, um, you know, more recently when the internet first became a thing, the libraries were one of the first places that provided access to the internet and access to computers. So during COVID-19 and the pandemic, libraries continued to innovate. Um, like Candace said, the uh, library had online programs and we had some discussions that were you know actually easier more people could participate um because of the online you know tools that we have sometimes people can't make it to the library right after work you know because of commuting or traffic or you know different things and they can just jump on their phone and write you know be a part of a zoom meeting or or a teams meeting um, but we, we did programs to go, which was like this really cool innovation where they had a uh, literacy lesson and a craft and a thing. And it was everything you needed for the, the activity was in the bag. And so a family could just grab however many they needed for their kids and they could do the entire program self-directed at home. And uh, it was, you know, that was something that the Anchorage Public Library did. And then it got picked up by other daycare centers and other early literacy places. And then it actually was being done in other libraries across the country. And they would say, oh, we heard about that in Anchorage, which is really cool. And some of the things that we've wanted to do for a while, um, we were kind of pushed to do you know, quicker because of COVID. So we opened a uh, set of uh, lockers that you can pick up your stuff um, at the Diamond Transit Center because you know the library can't be open all the time but automated lockers can so you can you know go there scan your card and pick up your books you know late at night at the diamond transit center and we wanted to check out um cellular hotspots we call them myfis um so that people could check out the internet and take it home and they could use the these uh cellular hotspots you know we're paying basically paying for internet access that you can take home and you can use it where, where you need it. And uh, that's something that we provided during the pandemic. And we also made uh, Chromebooks available for people to check out so that they could have a reliable device to apply for aid or assistance or a job. 
or just try and figure out what they were going to do, you know, during this period where a lot of our options were taken away all of a sudden, you know, we tried really to alter the way that we did our service um, during the pandemic by providing computers in our lobby, like really spaced out um, so that we were meeting all the code protocols and we did curbside pickup and we did pick up at the door uh, so that, you know, people could still pick up their stuff. So um, that place though, like you said, the library is gathering place that got severely hampered because, you know, it was basically a, uh, a disease or virus that was working on proximity, you know? And so if you can't be, if you can't share a space, that kind of makes it as a gathering place a lot more difficult. So we tried to move online, but that's, uh, that's like Candace said, that's not available for everybody, you know? Um, and our Wi-Fi works in our parking lots pretty good. So, you know, some people were able to take advantage of that as well. Can you share with me what is your favorite space to be in the library? And Candace, I know you've already talked about the Ann Stevens room. So maybe your second favorite place? Well, my second favorite place is further into the Alaska collection. It's just, it's kind of like, you know, like the the hidden wing of the, the Lucek library. And I know that it's now um, just an open space where it was the Alaska collection. Um, it's not, I think it's now just a community space, um, that big domed area with the, the circular like space. And that's where I would go to, to write my college papers. Um, and that was another place that was just always like sublimely quiet. And um, so that's one of my favorite places in the Lusak library, just like architecturally too. Um, I just adore the Lusak Library. Just the building itself, I think, is like maybe the most beautiful building in Anchorage. The the spheres and the columns and just the magnitude of the building is just I I'm in love with the building. Um, but there's a the space I believe on the third floor where it's all like those angled windows, um, and there's big tables where people are are studying and there's just kind of this like gray blue light that comes through those windows. And especially in the winter, they get kind of fogged up and it's kind of icy and something sort of like glacier about those windows. Um, so aesthetically um, and architecturally, like those are, are beautiful spaces for me. Um, and yeah, you're asking me personally what, what my favorite places are. So that's how I'm answering that question. Um, not necessarily how they serve the community, but places that I find beautiful within the library. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to try to be really diplomatic and I'm going to pick one place one place at each library location since I I'm in charge of all of the library locations. Um, so at Lusac um, if you go all the way up to the fourth floor and you go out the public elevators and you go straight ahead there is a flat part of the roof and you can see the entire Chugach mountain range and it's nothing in the way. There's nothing that stops your view of the mountains. And uh, I have taken pictures of them in every season from covered in snow to, uh, you know, bright and sunny and uh, even at night. Uh, I have like a lot of really cool pictures of that in the exact same spot. Um, so for Lusak, that's it. Um, Jacob, Jacob. Gr- yeah. have you been on, on the roof 
No, I I wanted to when we were doing the renovation. I I tried to sneak out there and I got caught. <laughs> I I got up there. I snuck up there when I was <laughs> when I was 24 when I was a Vista volunteer. The view's nice from on top of the roof of the Lusat too. <laughs> I bet. I bet. We. <laughs> We have one of our library employees who's always like, let's turn this into a patio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, that. Yeah. At Girdwood, I really like the, um, if you go all the way back toward the kids area, um, there's a, an amazing view of the, um, I don't know if that's a creek or that runs um, beside, beside the library, but in the winter, just watching the snow fall and watching that creek um, from that back corner is really amazing. And then at Muldoon, I really like um, when you come in on the right-hand side, there's an area that's just a really quiet area with like a lot of books. And I really like that area at Muldoon. At Mountain View, um, the kids area is close to the circulation desk and there is a skylight right above the circulation desk and then there's these um like i think they're supposed to be like canadian geese but they're made out of books uh that hang from the ceiling and it's just a really awesome view um because the light shifts in that area and it's a it's really interesting architectural feature of the building and then uh at the eagle river library um there is a seating area in the front near the magazines and it's just nice to sit there and like people watch because people come in and they go and, and um it's still relatively quiet and it's just really like a comfortable space and so um there's something at each of those library locations that i appreciate because they each have their own vibe and their own um you know community I wonder if there is anything you change. Uh, is there anything you would want to see different or change uh, at the library, specifically thinking about Alaska, Anchorage? <laughs> well, we need a lot more libraries. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the East End has a library with Muldoon, but there's no West End library. And I live on in South Anchorage, and unfortunately, South Anchorage, you know, unless you're going to go all the way to Lusak or all the way to down to Girdwood, there's no libraries in between those two, um, you know. So. And there is no library downtown. There's no library downtown, or Fairview, or I mean, there's you know all these different little communities um, that don't have libraries. Um, just to put it into perspective. Um, we have a population of about 290,000 people. That's exactly the same size as the city of St. Louis, which is 290,000 people. They have 17 library locations. We have five. Um, it's just a matter of priority. It's a matter of um, the way the tax structure is set up. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we have a lot fewer. And I think that um, if we built them, they would have demand because people tend to stay closer to home and go to places that are convenient to them. If we had as many locations as there were post offices, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I don't really have really like fully thought out answer to what I would change. 
about the libraries. Um, maybe that to reverse, if there is a trend of people leaving libraries, um, to reverse that trend and have people come back to the libraries if they've left um, for whatever reason. Um, yeah, that would be what I would change. And I guess we've been talking about a lot Anchorage and the Anchorage area. Is there anything that comes to mind when we think about the broader Alaskan landscape and ways in which people that live in rural communities can engage with the library space? You know, I, I was really fortunate and I got to travel out to uh, Antioch, Alaska. Um, which is a smaller uh, community out in the bush, I think they say. It was really great to see a little library like that because it's mostly supported by the community. You know, they support it with donations of books and donations of uh, volunteers. And it is a place where the kids can come and read and do games and crafts and all the stuff. And they have one librarian that only works like a partial week and yet they have like a really robust a love of their library because everybody takes ownership over it and it's um it's a special place in their village and i've heard of stories of other places um where it's very similar where they have a village library and um the people just adore their library because it's really theirs, you know, they, they have, they have to participate in it more to keep it going. Um, and so sometimes it's, that's a, a positive, you know. And no, we also have functions like interlibrary loan, um, you know, where libraries across the state can send each other books uh, that they don't have. If someone in a more rural community has an interest in a book, then um, a library that does have that book can send it to that library. So that's cool how, the libraries are connected in that way as far as the system goes do we what do we still have owl jacob which is do, is that still a thing so online with libraries has two different functions um one is to provide like teleconferencing so they switched from you know big clunky systems to zoom because it's a lot less expensive yeah that makes sense but the other thing is they help cover uh some of the internet costs for rural Alaska and so uh, it's still still happening but unfortunately the state has not been funding it so it's been coming out of other programs funding so one of the things that you, you, if anybody's listening can do is <laughs> to talk to their representative about um, funding OWL online with libraries uh, the state library and the Alaska library catalog which is housed at the University of Alaska Anchorage because um, they help provide 92% of the libraries in Alaska with a system that you can get almost any book from almost any library brought to your library. Not, not through interlibrary loan, but through a different system, which is, uh, is a courier system instead of like a mailing system, like a postage system. And it's a lot cheaper and it's a lot better service, uh, it's faster. A lot of this has to come from different revenue sources and um, the state library and the university library system, which helps support it, um, that all comes from state money. And so um, 
talking to your state representative will help keep those things, you know, going. And I guess like uh, this is a perfect segue because I wanted to ask, uh, and you just touched on that a little bit. And I guess this question is open to Meneka too, since uh, you work at the library as well. How can people support the library? Well, there's the Friends of the Library, um, which takes small donations that help pay for programs and for books um, and the things that we use each year. Um, And then there's the Library Foundation, which helps pay for bigger projects like getting a downtown library um, and the big Lusac renovation that we had. And then there is volunteering at the library, um, which we can always use volunteers um, at the branches. Uh, they use a lot of the volunteers to help shelve books and help clean some of the harder to reach areas and to help set up for programs and things like that. At LUSAC, um, they help, you know, organize materials and uh you know, the teens sometimes help set up programs and especially like little kids programs. And so, uh, and then advocating to whoever your elected officials are, be they assembly people or the mayor or your state representatives at the state house and the state senate. Um, And then from time to time, there are big federal programs, which you can reach out to your congressman or your state, your uh, U.S. senator and have them, you know, help uh, pay for the, we call it the IMLS, it's the Institute of Museums and Libraries. And uh, that helps pay for some of the federal programs that uh, help libraries build new locations and, and do different things. Most libraries are, are like 90 plus percent funded by local taxes. And so just letting your assembly person or your mayor um, know that you value libraries and that you don't want to see them cut um, is important because when they're having their priorities, it's the people that they've talked to that they remember, you know, oh, I don't want to cut that. I just talked to Candace or I just talked to Menica or I just talked to, you know, somebody else. And, and they seemed really, you know, passionate about that. And so they remember those things. Yeah, I would agree with everything that Jacob said. And I would also say people should come and use the library. Um, Come to the space, use the space, um, check out books, check out DVDs, um, and check out all of our online resources. We have so many um, cool things that I feel like I'm always telling my friends about that they didn't know existed. Um, So come and use the library um, and tell tell people about it. Like talk about how much you love the library. Um, I think that's really important. Well, we are getting close to the end of this Togetherings episode. Uh, it's been great having you here. So thank you so much, Candace, Jacob, Menica, and the Anchorage Public Library for this partnership in this Togethering series. We usually close by asking our guests, um, what's one question you'd like to leave our listeners with? What is your favorite book? Why is silence important?